Welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Harley, Pastor Will Harley. I'm here with Pastor Dave Rudat. We are in his studio for today, uh, which is always great so that we're not always seeing the same four walls. We get to see a different four walls and and enjoy the, the scenery from them. Um, it is a, a pleasure to have all of you join us today as we are continuing our topics on uh, living faith and how we can, as Christians, sort of navigate this crazy world that we live in. Um, the real life that we're living? Yeah, the real, well, most real of life. us, most of us. <laughs> are living a real life? Are living a real life. Some of us are living a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> but before we begin, and we, we have, um, so we're in the summer months, and, and probably this is a good disclaimer. We've gonna, we're gonna have some serious stuff that we're gonna be putting out. Um, next week, we're gonna be, uh, uh, doing, uh, um, uh, an episode uh, talking about um, self care and and things where we're having a guest who is going to be coming. I'm looking forward to that uh, as soon as I read the book. Um, so that it's a will good book. it's a very good book so far. Um, but we are we're so we are having some serious things that we're going to be talking about. But also we're having some things that are just more lighthearted and easy to approach. Today's podcast is one of those sessions where it's a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more easy to approach for for listeners, something to sort of just kick back and say, you know what, the Bible talks about that. Um, but before we get into that topic, we will probably have just a very brief disclaimer so that no one sues us. This is... <laughs> Uh, we, this is a podcast meant to be the beginning of a conversation, not the end. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to respond to something that we have to say. If you have a question, you have a comment, uh, something, some insight that you wanted to share with us, we welcome that. You can talk to us in person at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Shirley and St. John's in Maribel. You can talk to us online on Facebook. We have a Facebook presence. We also have an email address. You can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. So please reach out to us, contact us, and if you are more inclined to look at the serious stuff, we don't care that you skip over this episode. If you are more inclined to not to look at the serious stuff and look at the lighthearted stuff, we're, it doesn't hurt our feelings either. It does hurt my feelings. <laughs> Do you have feelings all, to hurt? All of this is gold. Pure gold. The sarcasm is strong in this one. <laughs> My question is: Do people still use email? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe we should get a Twitter account so then people can Twitter us. Yes, they can we, tweet us. I think <laughs> tweet. I, the appropriate term is tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and retweet. Um, and uh, I was just uh, speaking of birds and flying. Do you know? Why stormtroopers from Star Wars make really good airline pilots? Because they can't hit anything. <laughs> and that is a Star Wars joke. And if you don't understand it, watch any Star Wars show. Or or ask your geek child or geek friend uh, about stormtroopers. All right. So let's get the music and get right into our topic.
Oh, so our topic for today in this lighthearted nature that we are engaging in is scary monsters and why parents should be teaching them from the scriptures. Um, I bet you, you, you thought that, uh, the scriptures were only filled with, um, everything that we need for faith and life, which is true. The scriptures are filled with everything we need for faith and life, but also the scriptures, um, they share with us this wonderful idea of what life has in store for us. And there are some creatures and things in the scriptures that will just scare the pants off of you, um, probably better than any horror show that you have ever seen. Um, <clears throat> and and even though we won't talk with them about them today in the podcast, there are even zombies, people who walk around dead without faith. <laughs> I'll throw that one in there. <laughs> but, but today we are we are talking about uh, these scary monsters um, that are in the scriptures, and um, we'll try to give you some references as to where you can find them, and and maybe that would be a good topic for a devotion um, to to gather around the table right before dinner, maybe right before bed. That'd be a great right one. Before bed, dads, yeah, get your Bible out right before bed and say, "Kids, we're going to read from the Bible." Scary monsters. Scary monsters is going to be our summer topic. Yes, for for all of a couple of weeks, um, and 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 have a, a maybe a one week little thing. We're going to talk about a scary monster. Um, but the reason you talk about these scary monsters, um, is really because we know that they can be defeated and are defeated. In fact, we have a quote here from um, from a, a well-known, someone better known than us, who is a writer. And and what is the quote? Uh, yeah, J.K. Chesterton is the is the guy. He wrote a lot of really good uh, books and also is known for his paradoxes. And his the quote that he has is, Fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. Absolutely. And so when we look at these uh, scary monsters within the scriptures, we re- we recognize that there is a Lord who has conquered even those scary things for us. So let's jump on in and talk about um, some of the scary monsters on our list of, of scary things in the scriptures. Do we want to talk about the Old Testament? We want to start in the Old Testament and work our way toward the New Testament? Or yeah, do you want to start from the back and... Go to the beginning. You know, I, 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 I'm a, a firm fan that you should start at the beginning and work to the back. Um, and so maybe we'll start in the Old Testament and, and kind of work our way up. There's some more fantastic things, I think, in the Old Testament than, than necessarily we get in the New Testament. Um, although Legion is pretty scary. Um, <clears throat> but that's a New Testament topic we can talk about later. Yeah. So in the Old Testament, uh, we're talking about various animals in that are, don't have an equivalent in our in the animals that we know of today, and um, the reason why they don't have an equivalent is well, perhaps these animals don't exist anymore, or perhaps because of the setting in which they're written in, these animals uh, were never it wasn't never meant to be a real animal in the first place. So, for example, in Job, which is poetry, uh, the Book of Job has is a conversation between Job and his three friends, and then also a conversation between uh, four friends, 
and also then a conversation between God and Job. And as they're speaking to one another, yes, they're having a dialogue, but it is not as if it's a uh, an interview process, but it is more of Shakespeare. Uh, having Shakespeare, when he writes an interview between two people, you go, well, people don't necessarily talk like that, or maybe they didn't even talk that way when Shakespeare wrote them. But he, he elevates their conversation to an art form. So in, in the case of Job, the conversation between the four friends and Job and the conversation between God and Job is an art form. And in that art form, they're going to use picturesque language to talk about beasts and scary monsters and all of the wilds of the the land and the wilds of the sea uh, to talk about how the Lord, how God is in control of all of those things. And one of the animals that is mentioned in the Old Testament that I like to talk about when we were going through the book of Job was the Rahab uh, the sea monster Rahab. It doesn't have an, an equivalent. Most of our uh, sea monsters or from myths and legends that we have are from the Greek mythology. Rahab is completely separate from that. It doesn't fo- seem to follow uh, the monsters of Greek mythology. We don't have as many um, descriptions of Rahab, just the fact that the Rahab is this wild uh, beast. And so, uh, dads, if you're going through, want to talk about Rahab, uh, go to Job chapter 9 and Job 29. You can also find him in Isaiah 51 verse 9. And in all of those references, it talks about this beast who is uh, filled with chaos and destruction. The word Rahab in the Old Testament in Hebrew uh, means to act stormily as a verb, uh, boisterously or arrogantly. And so in all of the descriptions in Job 9, Job 29, and Isaiah 51, you're going to have an, a beast of the of the sea that's acting stormily and boisterously and arrogantly. But in all of the accounts, the Lord cuts it, cuts it all up, cuts that animal up to pieces. The, the Lord has expressed his dominion over creation and this beast called Rahab. Well, I, and I think that if you're going to be talking about um, things from the book of Job, um, there's two other beasts that are in the book of Job, right, um, that are are kind of scary. The first one, probably not so much scary be, uh, be, uh, because of its actions, but more because of its size. Um, that's the behemoth, right? The behemoth is is in the book of Job, Job 40, um, <clears throat> and its huge nature um, makes it something of of awe and fear. And then there's the Leviathan, and we've heard that many times throughout um, the scriptures. It, it comes up in Isaiah as well. Yeah, Isaiah 27, verse 1. Right, um, and again in, in chapter 3 of Job, and then again in 41, uh, where Leviathan comes out. And what makes Leviathan such a um, an interesting creature, and if you've watched shows, uh, TV shows, you know, especially dealing with Atlantis, you have this Leviathan creature that sort of sank Atlantis, or you have the Leviathan that comes up and, and seems, uh, uh, isn't the Leviathan the monster, or is it the, no, it's not the Gorgon, um, or very similar to, uh, that, that comes with, uh, Perseus, uh, in Greek mythology. Uh, where where he has to go against the Leviathan that is unleashed against uh, um, um, the Greek uh, lands, and he has to use the head of Medusa uh, to to turn it into stone. Um, but <clears throat> there's these these ideas though of of the sea creature that is um, what makes it fearful is its untamable nature. It is it is violent um, and it desires violence. Um, 
also breathing fire and smoke. And I mean, that's right. Very similar to the fantasy stories of a dragon that you would imagine a dragon that breathes fire. Oh, here it is. Here it is in the Bible Leviathan. Right. Um, Leviathan is also the, uh, is it Leviathan or behemoth, which is the closest to a dinosaur description. Behemoth. behemoth was the one. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Cedars with, with legs the size of cedars. Yeah. And the scales on its side and, and things of that nature. So both of those would be good uh, to be reading with your kids. Uh, sitting there in right before you, they go to bed. Here, look at these scary monsters, and look at how the Lord uh, has dominion over them. Right. Uh, going back a little bit further, though, I think in the pages of of um, the Old Testament, you have a couple that we we kind of glossed over. One of them we will come back and talk about when we hit the pages of Ezekiel, because I think the description is a little bit better. Um, and that is in the very beginning of the book of Genesis, you have the the first reference to the cherubim. Um, and, and those are the end, uh, and one of the ranks of angelic creatures. I was going to save cherubim from the end, but that's okay. We can talk about it now. Well, the, the, there the, is in, they're in Zekiel and is uh, the, their they're description. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, it's part of the Old Testament, right? Where, where you have this description, you, you have the best description of the angelic hosts in the Old Testament. Yes, I, I agree. I just just thematically, well, you don't think of the angels of God as being scary monsters. I don't know. It kept people away from the from the garden. The garden of Eden. <laughs> yeah. And uh, every time you see the angels come, people are afraid. Yeah. Well, we'll link a a, a link, dads, in our show notes to go to the YouTube video of a YouTube channel called a Lutheran Satire, where it it. it describes angels and says, you know, people when people normally think of angels, they think of the precious moments things, you know, little babies with little tiny wings and, and flying around and, and, and blowing little trumpets and being cute. Um, but the angels' descriptions in the Bible is very terrifying. The angels are angels of fire. Uh, these are mighty ones who are doing his bit, doing his bidding. Every time somebody sees an angel, they don't say, "Oh, that's how a, cute! How cute! That's a cute little, little diaper, <laughs> a little diaper." Rather, no, that people are afraid and fall down on their faces. And, and throughout the Bible, uh, they are scary monsters. They're scary because uh, they are holy, and we are not. Well, they're also scary because they look scary. I mean, you, and, and this is again in Ezekiel, but, but you have these creatures who have, um, multiple heads and they have multiple wings and they, they have, um, eyes <laughs> upon their wings <laughs> and they don't turn to move. They just kind of shift. And, and even in the, in, in the, the, the beautiful thing in Ezekiel is you have the cherubim. They move like lightning, like bolts of lightning. Um, and, and you have, uh, these, these, they're just creatures where you're like, uh, they have bronze hooves <laughs> for feet and, and, and these, these, these creatures where we're like, okay, yes, angelic beings can take the form of man, um, because we've seen that in the scriptures, but how many times when, when the scriptures say, and the angels appeared or an angel appeared, were they not in the form of man and they were in their form as, as they were created. And that would be a very terrifying thing. So dads, Ezekiel one verses four to 21 talks about the angels with wheels and, and things. Of well, that that's nature. a different angel. Oh, that's the, oh, the Ophim. The, the, yeah, the wheels, the Ophanim uh, are another, uh, they're the ones that carry the throne and they're depicted as whenever God's throne is is coming into presence, uh, they're the four that carry the, the the four corners of the throne, and they stand at the feet of the cherubim who are guarding the throne. 
um, awesome stuff you have there in, in the first pages of Ezekiel, uh, where, where you see the throne of the Lord coming in the clouds and then the flame and fire. And you have these wheels upon wheels bringing the throne. Um, and there's eyes all over them and they have wings and it's like, that's kind of freaky. <laughs> and then they have the cherubim. Um, right. The, from the scriptures, they, as the scriptures describe the angels for us, we understand that the angels are spirits, so they're invisible. So what is their true form is a spirit, but as they are revealed in scripture, they're revealed their characteristics, and their characteristics are terrifying because you think of how holy they are, how powerful they are. Uh, God has created them. God has given them authority. Um, but the writer to the Hebrews reminds us that the, all of the angels are there to serve God's people. And how awesome that is, dads, as you're talking with your kids, to talk about these scary monsters of the scary angels of the Old Testament and say, you know what? These angels of God, these scary things are what God has has put into your life to watch over you and, and to guard you and, and things of that, like that. Well, and I think, I think the thing that makes it, at least for me, <clears throat> when you talk about the, the angels, what makes it scary for me is that so you have these ranks of angels, right? We we have the descriptions of the cherubim, we have description of the ophanim, we have the descriptions of the seraphs. We don't really have descriptions of archangels or descriptions of just general angels, but I would assume that those are really the three categories, right? Seraphim, cherubim, and the ophanim. And you have multitudes of each. The thing that's scary, and, and, and follow me on this just a little bit, isn't so much, although they are terrifying because of their holiness when they appear uh, in the lives of God's people, but the fallen are the same. And that's terrifying because even though the fallen, and this is the hope and comfort, the fallen can only go as far as God permits. They cannot do more than what God gives them the right to do. They look that way and they have evil intent. And yeah. that's the not thing to that, be trifled with. Yeah. Right. Satan is not like a little kitty that we can say here, kitty, kitty. Let me and he's, know. and he's not a being with little horns and a pitchfork and, and a little pointed tail or, or a guy dressed in a really good suit that looks like a really greasy lawyer. Um, he, he looks probably more like a seraph. He looks probably more like, um, and, and, and I've, I've read before that, that Satan probably was a seraph, one who, who stood around yeah. the throne. Yeah, Jude says he has, he has some sort of authority. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but you have um in later on in Ezekiel, was it Ezekiel 28, something like Ezekiel 27, uh where where we have a description, it goes from the description of of the the king of Tyre to the person behind the king of Tyre who caused him and and there's a description of of what Satan had and and where what position he held. Um, and, and you can almost get the impression he was maybe one of those people, the seraphs who sung the holy, holy before the throne of God and fell because of his pride. Um, but the, the, the reality is, is that, that, that the, the, the monsters we think and we've created in our world and we've said, oh, that's a horrible monster. And the hell that we have created that we scare our children with is nowhere near as frightening as the true image <laughs> that God gives us. Of these things, um, and the fact that that these angelic beings are terrifying, and the ones that have fallen still look the same, and what makes it even more terrifying is is they don't have our best in mind, and and it's like the Leviathan who is violent, um, and and thrashes and wants to do nothing but destroy, like Rahab who goes out uncontrolled, um, or or further on, and this is another beast just to throw into the mix, um, the. Uh, King James had translated it, uh, from, 
Deuteronomy 33, uh, one horned, uh, Unicronus. Um, and that was, if I remember correctly, that was in the King James. Um, we would know them probably best as rhinos or some type of a bull of, of, of some nature. Rhinos um, are unicorns. They're chubby unicorns. I know. I'm what I'm saying, but that's, that's where we had this term, that this term unicorn comes from there. Mm-hmm. But, but the description in, in, um, that we have in Deuteronomy makes them a terrifying thing. Most people think unicorns are these nice, wonderful, these nice, wonderful creatures, but listen to what the, um, the, the description of these things do in, in verse 17 of Deuteronomy 33. Um, like a firstborn bull, he has majesty and his horn uh, and the horns of the wild ox. And with them, they will gore the peoples and all the peoples to the ends of the earth. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are violent creatures that, that are depicted there. Um, but what's the point? There's evil in the world and evil and are not to be trifled with. They're not there for, it's not as if there's two opposing forces that are operating for your good, that there's God on one side and the devil on the other, and that they both can offer something good to you. Both of them, uh, both of them are different. And the devil is one that wants to devour and destroy and evil, evil is there. So it's a good thing, dads, as you're talking to you with your kids about, uh, the Bible and the scary monsters of the Bible. There is evil in the world. We need to tell our children there is evil in the world, but we have the Lord who is over all of those evil things. The angels that we have in the Bible, though terrifying as Hebrews uh, one, chapter one is chapter one, verse 14. Are not to be worshipped, you know, they're not to be looked at and saying, well, let's look at the, let's appeal to the angels for our help. No, let's appeal to the Lord who sends help through his angels. He wants us to communicate to him, not us communicating to the angels. Yeah. And, you know, it just reminds me of, um, <clears throat> my daughter one day, you know, this had to be almost a year ago now. Uh, she woke up, just couldn't get back to sleep, had a nightmare. Was horrible, and she came. She came into our room, and she was crying, and I can't sleep, and I don't know what to do, and and I said, well, let's pray about it, and so we prayed, and then and then she said, I still can't sleep, I don't know what to do, and I said, you know, Jesus is always with us, and I said, even when I'm asleep and I can't guard you, Jesus is guarding you, and <clears throat> that just brought her so much comfort, knowing that her Lord and Savior stands guard over her all the time. It became part of her prayers. We would say prayers at the end of the evening. Still to this day, we say prayers at the at at the beginning of the evening before they go to bed. And and her response is, "Jesus is always with us." And and that is a comforting thing to know that that when we go to sleep, and maybe it's something that 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 can be a part of your routine for your children to re- recognize and remind them that even as I'm sleeping, Jesus is with me. As I'm waking, Jesus is with me, and there is evil in the world. Don't don't sugarcoat that from your kids. Mm. Um, bad people exist, bad things exist, bad things happen, um, but they're not out of God's control. They're not out of our Savior's control, who rules all things for us. What an Ascension Day thing, right? <laughs> we're past Ascension, we're into Pentecost. I know, but but the idea that um, um, we have a, a God in heaven who knows us and knows our fears and knows the things in this world that, that haunt us and scare us, and he controls it all. It's pretty cool. But there's a lot more to talk about in these wide-open world of scary monsters. Yeah, we've gone through <clears throat> most of the Old Testament. I've I've gone through my list from the Old Testament. Do you have any left from the Old Testament? I Well, there is. Um, I'm there's, sure there's, yeah, there's <clears throat> plenty, but there's, which ones do you want to talk about? Well, there's there's probably two that I would love to talk about, and, and these two that um, 
uh, that I would like to share with you are, are more references draped in, um, well, the first one is draped more in like, uh, um, parable or uh, not parable proverb. Um, so it, it gives you quality, uh, necessarily not, nece- not necessarily the depiction of reality. Um, <clears throat> but one of them is taken from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 14. And, um, and I, you could maybe say vampiric nature, but I would say less vampiric nature in the way that you understand vampires and more cannibalistic in nature, um, detailing just the debasement of, of humankind. And if you go to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 14, you have these words, this person. So it's, it's a person, not necessarily a monster or a creature, but, um, but this person, <clears throat> his teeth are swords. And his fangs are knives, and he uses them to devour oppressed people from the earth and poor people from among humanity. That's kind of scary. I mean, I'm thinking Jack the Ripper <laughs> type, type of attitude. Um, you know, the, the fact that we live in a world where, yeah, I'm afraid of lions, tigers, and bears, you know, and I want to say, oh my, just to follow along with the theme. But the thing that scares me the most are the people I live with in the world, that that there is that type of nature inside of us that would do those things, that would devour each other. And and you could say, well, metaphorically, they will. Yeah, but there were people that actually literally devoured each other um, and not because they needed to survive. We had a, a very disturbing story just recently in the Green Bay area of a woman who was dating a guy and then she cut him up into pieces and was she killed him and cut him up into pieces well allegedly i should probably say uh allegedly but it's <laughs> there's she cut him up into pieces and she cut his head and offered it to his mother and said here you probably want this it just is and you you have to okay yes it could be the yeah it is found in the human heart we can think of uh, the evilness that is there, we can think of the influence of drugs, uh, methamphetamines, uh, where people will do are there the, um, drugs that erase our inhibitions, erase our our um, the, checks, the, and the checks and balances, the stop gaps that will stop us from doing terrible things. Um, but it's still found in the heart. It's not that I'm going to blame the drugs. It's still found the evilness that is found in the heart is there. And it will continue to be there. And it's, it's, it's oddly refreshing to hear it from the Old Testament. Like this is, this is where, this is where human beings are. This is, I don't who know we if are. that's refreshing. Well, it's refreshing <laughs> to me because, because sometimes people say, what is this world coming to? What is this world coming to? Pastor? It's been never there. been this bad. Yeah. We've already been there. That's, that's the refreshing part is that we've already been there. And guess what? Guess what God did in the, in the Old Testament is he promised to send a savior for all that nastiness. And what does God promise today with all of the nastiness we see in the news or what uh, that we experience in our life? A savior. Well, but I, and I, and I think this, the, that where this case in Proverbs comes from. Um, I mean, we can use the, like you said, the example of, of, um, 
the woman who did this to her boyfriend. You could use the example of some of the um, African tribes and South American tribes and even some of the American uh, Native American tribes uh, back in the day who used to eat the hearts of the, the people that they conquered because they would gain their strength from it. Um, there's this idea of of cannibalism and, and bloodlust. Um, you could go back into um, – <clears throat> um, they called her Bloody Mary – uh, back in, in England, um, where, where she just went on a, a, a desire to, to kill, right? Um, you have the story of, of Vlad, um, who became Dracula, um, where they said, you know, where his, his whole life was the desire to, to bathe in the blood, literally bathe in the blood of, of, of his enemies. Um, there's such horrible things that have gone on in life, um, where, where we look at that and we say, how can somebody do that? And the answer is because we are not good things. We are the most, we are probably the scariest creatures on the face of the earth because of our sin. That, that, the, the, the thing that I'm, I'm more afraid of out of everything in all the world is, is, is me. And, and, and people that I work with and people that I interact with because inside of all of us is this darkness, right? That, that just only, the only thing that can beat it is the light of Christ. The only thing that can beat it is, is, is the Holy Spirit who beats it down through word and sacrament. Um, the only thing that can beat it is, is the one who stands above it and says, you shall go no further. Um, and then puts an end to it. Um, but it's there and that is really scary. And that brings me to my final one of the Old Testament, actually, which is is kind of uh, the way it's detailed in the scriptures isn't so scary. But if it could happen to one person, why couldn't it happen in another way? And that is the disease of lycanthropy. Um, and you're probably thinking of of um, lycanthropy, like werewolves. And and I'm not necessarily saying that this individual person became a werewolf. He didn't, uh, but he became a beast and, and took on the nature of a beast. Um, and I'm talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Um, yes. And he, uh, and he's found in Daniel and he mocks the Lord, right? He says, look at all the things that I have put together and look how great I am. And the Lord humbles him by, by giving him the qualities of a beast and his nails grow and he eats grass and he acts very, can't think for himself, acts very bestial. Um, it reminds me of those kids that think they're cats in school and need to go to the bathroom in litter boxes. Sorry. Is that too? <laughs> Speaking of the depravity of humankind, it is. It's the depravity of humankind that we think that we are are these beasts, and and in this case, this was a punishment for Nebuchadnezzar and bringing him back to humility. Um, in our nation, we we we're we're lifting up this nonsense and saying, "Oh, look how great they are," because they're expressing themselves. Uh, no, this is this is the the mind again, the sinful mind doing things that it shouldn't be doing. And, and that is thinking that we are things that we are not. Yeah. There's a balance, isn't there? There's, there's, I think there's a healthy, a room for a healthy imagination to remember, to imagine yourself to be, you know, a knight or a, you know, a warrior of some sort that you're, you're, our kids do something called live action role play where you, you, you. It's called LARPing. LARPing. Yeah. <laughs> and. And in some scenarios, it's, you know, we think of like, I, I think for one of my children's birthdays, we had, 
we did it with, and the kids were, um, in preschool. And so we just, we had this long story. So instead of having a, uh, a party where kids were just running around screaming. We had the story. We had to rescue the princess out of the out of the out of the 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 um out of the castle, and the and they had to gather these materials. And so the kids were doing exercises where they were working together and things. And then my my oldest son was the dragon, and so he he, he dressed up in a ridiculous. Kind of looks did. like a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big guy, uh, very threatening guy, a nice lineman for. Our, our high school football Nicest team. guy you'll ever meet. He's like one of those big dogs that you're like, oh, wow, I don't want to get near that. And then you get near the dog and the dog leans against you. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. His friends say, you know, uh, his nickname is Trout. And they would, they would say, you know, Trout's the nicest guy you would see in the hallways, but don't get near him on the football field. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, he was the dragon. And so then the kids were, uh, what did we throw at them? I think it was like Nerf balls or, or, or some, something ridiculous. But, so it was the, Imagination is is a good thing to remind ourselves of uh, that there is evil and that we address that and it's it's good to do the role playing just to re- to remind ourselves of those truths. But to make it your everyday activity that you need a litter box in the in the grade school because you're an animal and this is your real you know there's a a boundary where you're crossing over into real life. Like I'm always going to imagine myself to be this instead of who God has called me to be. God has called me to be a student. God has called me to be a child. God has called me to be a Christian. Those are the things that are elevated. Those are the things that that's the real life. The imagination helps me and assists me and supplements me and maybe relaxes my mind for a little bit um, and refreshes me in what I'm really here for. Well, and I think that's the the, the gift of creativity, right? Um, God has given mankind the gift of of being creative in the sense that we we have an imagination that thinks outside of ourselves and and into the possibilities, um, and that is something that only mankind has um, out of all of created things. The problem is, is our sinful nature takes that and warps it to to horrible horrible ends. But that but that leads us, I, I think, into the, the the reality that as we go into the New Testament. Um, we have one who who puts a rein on all of these things, um, and that is our Savior Jesus, who who really comes and embodies all the the filth and the horribleness and and dies for it on the cross. Right, he takes it into himself. Um, he who knew no sin became sin, right, for us, uh, that through him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, and so those are those are are the things that we we look forward to the savior from all of that. <clears throat> and and the coolest thing is that as well, it, yes, Jesus dying for the cross, but Jesus also faced some scary monsters throughout his ministry as well. And so did his disciples. In fact, the, the disciple. And I want to get to the scary monsters that he faced in his ministry. But how many times did his disciples think that Jesus was the scary monster? <laughs> get away from us, Lord. <laughs> get away from us, Lord, while he was on the boat because, because he, he told him where to cast the fish. I must have, you know, but, but not only just that, but, uh, but when he was walking out to them on the water, right? And they thought he was a ghost. <laughs> you know, they were, they were just terrified because they thought he was a ghost coming up upon the water and he had to cry out and say, you know, don't be afraid. They were reminded that, yeah, they were con- consistently reminded that Jesus, although he is very much a human being, and very much in the day to day, it seemed like he was just like one of them. He was more than that. He was uh, God in the human flesh. So one of the monsters that uh, Jesus faced was a monster that had 
a, a really interesting name, the name, and this is in Mark chapter 5. And the monster is a man who is demon-possessed. So Jesus and his disciples are going to the region of the area that is uh, the Gentile region of Galilee. The Decapolis. Decapolis. Yeah, you're like... Ten, ten Greek cities in an air, in the area. And they met a man as they got out of the boat. So they got out of the boat. They met a man who had an unclean spirit. Wasn't he in the cemetery? Uh, or is this yes. guy, or is this one, the one that was in the hill country? He was screaming among the tombs and in the yes. mountains and cutting himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, what business do you have with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. Um, and the, how was Jesus tormenting him? This man who was demon possessed, he was talking to him. Well, and, <laughs> and, and interestingly enough, the, the demon through the man's voice, and actually there, we're going to find out many demons through the man's voice are saying, don't torment me. But what were they doing? They were tormenting the man and tormenting everybody else around the man. I mean, to the point where they, they couldn't help him. He was breaking chains. He was, he was hurting himself. Um, he had, he had, uh, um, super strength, um, very, very scary, um, probably vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jesus speaks to him and, and, uh, sends him to the herd of pigs. Um, which and is scary enough. It's scary enough. The pigs instantly run over the, uh, the cliff and fall to their deaths. So another illustration of what we were talking before about how, the devil and his evil angels don't want to create. They don't want to give. They don't want to make your life better. They want to torment and make your life worse. So, so I think, I, I think we just glossed over that when we did not do that very good service at all. Um, we glossed over and you mentioned it. What was the torment that the, these demons had? Um, and the torment wasn't that Jesus spoke to them because he hadn't spoken yet. The torment was that he was there. Yeah. Cause he had a, anyway. We're, we're kind of jumping back and forth in the story, but you, dad and, and dear listener, go to Mark five and, uh, and, and read it there. So Jesus had already told the, the man who was tormented, come out of the man, come out of the spirit. And then, um, the spirit says to him, my name is Legion for we are many. And, and he begged Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the region. Right. But the, 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 the fact that the man came up and covered with, uh, it, in the demon, with the demon still there, he bows down in front of Jesus. Jesus' presence controls the whole scenario. The whole yeah. scenario. Yeah, that's a um, good point. And that is tormenting to them because that's not what they desired. They they have rebelled against the authority of God, and they were cast from the the circles of heaven. Um, and yet they cannot be removed from the authority of the Creator. Um, and that is that's the main point. That's the whole idea. So so. We've been following this theme, right? Um, here's some scary stories. Here's some really crazy things in the scriptures um, that are true, and yet here is here's here's the answer to it. Jesus is for you. Um, you are you are in Him. Stay in Him, and He protects because that is what He does. Um, and and I think that's the, the the kind of the moral of the story, right? It is the moral of the story, moral of the whole podcast that we're doing today. Uh, before we close, do you want to talk about Revelation? Yeah, because Revelation is filled with tons of imagery. Um, and, and I think we need to be, be fair and say a lot of it is imagery 
Um, so you're going to have some things that are, are depicted. And, and if you're thinking, well, I'm going to look forward to seeing that. <laughs> you're, it's not. Necess- it's already here. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so <laughs> one of the images in Revelation is depicting Satan as the, the great serpent, the dragon, right? And if you're thinking, all of a sudden we're going to see this huge dragon. Well, he already came. That was Genesis, right? <laughs> you saw the serpent tempting Eve. Um, so, so if you're thinking a big winged beast is all of a sudden going to appear, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. And, He's the book of Revelation has seven visions, and what it is is the same timeline is t- is referenced seven different times. So John he does the timeline of world history till Jesus comes at the end of all things, and then he resets and does the whole timeline again. But each time he does the reset, there's a different focus. And in Revelation chapter twelve, where we get the red dragon, I mean that's really exciting. That's that's the reset. That's the beginning. He's going to do the whole timeline of history, but from the evil people's point of view. So we're going to have the the red dragon coming out, pursuing the woman who's giving birth to a child, who of course is is Jesus, and then Jesus being here and then being snatched up into heaven. And but then the dev, the devil, the the red dragon. There's lots of lots more descriptions. So if dads, if you like the descriptions, if you want want to. Uh, Look at something that's very descriptive of who he is and what he does and how he acts and things like that. Very imaginative. In Revelation chapter 12, he's got seven heads. He's got ten horns. You know, all those kinds of uh, scary-looking pictures. But he's not done. The devil isn't done. He still is persecuting the church until Jesus comes again. And he has allies in persecuting that church. Yeah, they're called the beasts. Right. And, and those things of, of, of nightmares that come from the sea. Um, and, and they themselves have been world now. Right. We're living, uh, Revelation 13. Yep. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, and, and then there's, uh, what was the other beast? I forget. Beast of the earth. So yeah, that one has thing. two horns like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. So that's the antichrist. Very good. So you have some of these beasts that, are, that are going to help the, the, the core, the cause of evil, you might say in, in the world and Christendom. Um, I, I would just add just as a disclaimer, maybe probably a disclaimer outside of the normal disclaimer. When you go to the book of Revelation and you start reading the book of Revelation, uh, don't be surprised if you're like, this is really hard to understand and, and don't turn to, um, certain opinions that say, well, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, because that's not the way Revelation is set up. Um, it is very picturesque. It, it approaches everything in the picture. Um, it, it, it lets you know right off the bat, these are pictures, um, to help describe the course of all human history, not the, the flow of this, then this, then this, then this, then this. So, so just be careful when you are reading the book of Revelation. Don't, don't think, okay, well, we're waiting until this happens and then these things are going to, no, this is, this has been happening since the fall going all the way to when Christ will come back again and that th- these these beasts are being pictured as um beasts in the book but they're 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 human things that are going on um in the world yeah. and it gives great comfort 
for the Christian who is living in this world, recognizing that there is evil in this world, there is demonic forces in the world, that demonic forces can be there in the government. So going back to the beast of the sea, he gets injured for a time but then recovers. We think of how, uh, uh, as Christianity has had its impact in the world, it has um, tamed that beast for a time, uh, in, in, not just in America, but throughout the, we think of the Roman Empire specifically, where the Roman Empire was persecuting Christians, and then all of a sudden it flipped, and Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. The government for a time is tamed, but will always come back and always persecute the church, which is encouraging for us as Christians because we're, we're sometimes we're wondering, well, where does this world coming to? The government's doing this and the government's doing that. And for us, as we read through the book of Revelation, dads, as you go through the book of Revelation with your kids, you recognize, yes, there's evil in this world. The government isn't, uh, isn't your savior. Uh, the world is going to say, the, the government's going to save all of, all of us from all of our problems. And the beast of the sea is actually something that's worshipped. The beast, the government is actually worshipped um, in the world. And and for us as Christians to say, the government is not our our savior. Our savior Jesus is our savior. Our government is there. It is God's uh, agents to to punish the evildoer and reward those who do do well. But let's leave it in that vocation. Let's not look and give it anything more than that. Um, as their job and their reason for our honor. So, so I think that, and maybe this is a really cool place to, to maybe begin to wrap it up. Um, so we talked about in Revelation, the dragon, the two beasts, and, and some of the things there. There's another thing in Revelation that I think is, is really kind of neat. Um, and it, and it really highlights what we've been trying to say is God is in control of it all. And those are the pit locusts. <laughs> You want to talk about pit locusts. <laughs> and they are, they, they come from the abyss. <laughs> um, and I want to read the, the, the description. Now this is from the EHV. Um, and it, it's found in Revelation nine and, and it starts here at, at verse three. And, and just, I want to highlight the control God has over the things of this world and, and what goes on. And I'm not saying these are true locusts. It's like, again, imagery of, of, of horrible things happening upon the earth. Um, but, but I want to highlight, and maybe this is, this is the best place to, to highlight that God's control over it. Um, from Revelation nine, starting at verse three, and out of the smoke came locusts on the earth and they were given the kind of power that scorpions of the earth have. They were told not to harm the earth's grass or green plants or any tree, but only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. Indeed, they were not given permission to kill these people, but only to torture them for five months, and the pain that they caused is like the pain caused by a scorpion when it stings a person. In those days, people will seek death, but will certainly not find it. They will long to die, but death will escape them. The locusts looked like horses ready for battle. On their heads were what appeared to be the crowns that were like gold. Their faces looked like human faces, and they had hair that looked like woman's hair, and their teeth were like the lion's teeth. They had breastplates that appeared to be made of iron, and the sound of their wings were like the sound of many chariots and the horses charging into battle. They had tails with stingers like those of scorpions, and in their tails they had power to hurt people for five months. And does not, and like I said, picture language, right? Um, that, that's really the pictures of, of battle and war and bad things happening. Um, 
And yet, what does God have? They can't hurt those who, who are sealed, right? Um, they're, they, they can't, they can't take the life of those gods, uh, of God's people. Um, because God said, don't, and you can't. That's, I think, the, the true victory over, over the scary monsters. The, the, the victory over scary monsters is probably the scariest event to ever have and to ever see in all world history. And that is to see God's wrath play out over sin on his son for you. Um, that there, as you are placed in the waters of baptism, you're placed into Christ, you are, you're placed in the scariest event ever, which is the death of Christ, death of God for you. And then you're brought back to victory as he walks from the tomb. And that is the end of every scary story. 